0: It's crazy that the last time I was able to speak here was on March seventh, 2020, at the Women's Conference. And a lot has happened since then, which gives us a very uncertain feeling, doesn't it? Last week, Justice kind of gave you an idea of what my sermon was going to be about when he talked about doubt. And that's exactly what I'm going to speak on this morning. We're going to be in Mark. Oh, I like it when I see you move to get your Bibles. We're going to be in Mark 9, verses uh, 14 through 24. Now let me give you some background to what we're going to be reading this morning. Jesus and his disciples had been ministering in Caesarea Philippi. They'd been ministering there for about six days, and then Jesus decides to take Peter, James, and John and go up to the mountain. Well, that left the other nine in the community healing, preaching, teaching. And then something doesn't go quite right while these nine disciples are preaching, teaching, and healing. And the crowd begins to respond to what didn't go right. And you know how the Pharisees are. They want to nitpick everything. So now that I've given you plenty of time to get to Mark 9 14 through 24, let's go there. Are you ready? When he, Jesus, came to his disciples, He saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes were questioning them. And straightaway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to, and I spake to thy disciples, and they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And Jesus asked the father, How long is it ago that this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou can do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. the last words of the Father. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. It's kind of hard to imagine that he looked Jesus in the face and basically said, Lord, I believe, but I doubt you. That's exactly what he said. I doubt you. Help me to believe have you ever been there see we live in a world where doubting in the Christian faith has been looked upon as something shameful that we as professing Christians should not question God So when we have questions and we do doubt, we don't feel comfortable taking them to a fellow believer and say, listen, I I really doubt this. And then we don't feel comfortable enough because we have lived under that we should not ask God questions, we should not ask God why, that we feel ashamed so we don't ask God why either. So there we sit caught in between I can't talk to my church family and I can't talk to God. So what do I do with these questions of doubt? What happens to someone who cannot get rid of the questions of doubt is they start closing off into their own mind and in their own hearts and shutting off and packing their bags and walking away from the faith because they don't know what else to do. So we're going to talk about what it means to doubt, who doubts, and what to do when you doubt. Does that sound all right? So, I want to do this a little bit differently. I want us to take this story and this Bible, we're going to turn it into a Bible story, okay? Because I like to kind of put myself there. It's a hot, dusty day in Caesarea Philippi. The town is busier than it usually is. It's usually mundane, but but now it's really busy because they know that the disciples are there and they are healing and they are teaching and people want to be where they are because Jesus' disciples are there. And this father hears that the disciples are in town. Now, like any good father and like like you and I, if your child is suffering and has been suffering for years, you will do anything and everything you can to find out the answers, to get your child help. And this father, he's like, now, now I'm going to get help from my son because he sees hope. So he takes his son, who he probably has been leaving in the house, because when it says foaming at the mouth, it means he has convulsions. And his son has wasted away to nothing. So he's very frail. And usually back then, when there were family members that you did not want to see, out in public, you hid them away because... the. The community believed that you had sinned somehow and that's why your child was the way it is. So there was a stigma to that. So the fact that he braved going out in 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 the crowd with his child, but he was a father that wanted to do anything and everything to find the answer for his child. So he has his child and he's making his way through the crowd and he reaches the disciples, can you feel the Father's anticipation? Because he knows, he just feels that this time we're going to get an answer. And the disciples step up and they put their hands on him and they speak and they pray and nothing And the father standing there in dismay going, wait, wait, what happened? Wait, they just healed those people and they cast out demons over there. Why not my son? I had all my hopes in these disciples of Christ, these men who have walked with Jesus. And nothing. Can you feel how his heart sank. He had put everything into that moment. He knew he had the answer. Well, of course, in that crowd were the scribes and Pharisees, and they start railing at the disciples. Yeah, I thought you could do this. You say you're of Jesus. You say you're of your God. You couldn't do this. But then someone sees Jesus coming. And Jesus comes up to the disciples and basically says, what is going on? Now I'm going to lighten the mood here a little bit, okay? Because he's probably thinking, yeah, I left these nine alone. Now look what happens. And the father speaks up boldly. I brought my son to your disciples and the They could not heal him. And then Jesus says a phrase that I think represents the condition of the hearts then and the conditions of the hearts today. Oh, faithless generation, how long? Then Jesus asked the man, "How long has this been going on?" And the guy says, "Since he was a child, a very 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 long time." And I think with that question, Jesus is gauging the man's heart. Jesus knew how long it had been going on. Nothing surprised him about the moment, but he wanted to hear it from the man so he could get a gauge of basically what his doubt level was. And then Jesus says, if you believe, if, that is the largest two-letter word in the English language, If the father stands there with a decision to make, if I doubt, if I believe. So he kind of straddles the fence. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So let me ask you, what might lead us into doubt? Looking at that story of the father who has seen his child go through all of this for all these years, what's the major thing that causes people to doubt? It's suffering. When we see our family members, our loved ones suffer, when we see our dear friends suffer, when we see the world suffer, we start asking the questions, why? Why isn't God hearing our prayers? Why would a loving God allow this to happen? Why, why, why? See, in those questions, the ultimate question that we're asking is, God, are you who you say you are? Because I'm not seeing what I think I should see. If you were so loving and if you were so kind and if you were so forgiving, why? So suffering causes us to doubt, especially in these days that we're living in now. So the, one, the first thing that we need to do when we doubt is to be brave enough to ask the questions. You know, God's not going to be surprised by your questions. You know, he's been around and he knows a thing or two. It's okay to ask the questions. Be brave enough to ask the questions. Don't allow your solitude and your questions to drag you down in like this vortex into the abyss where you walk away from the faith. See, we can let those questions guide us to a deeper understanding and a stronger faith if we allow them to, if we allow them to. So what it means to doubt in the Christian walk, well, Doubt is a part of the human condition. See, when when God made us in Genesis, he looked at mankind and said, it's good. He didn't say it was perfect, even though a lot of us think we are. (laughs) But he said, it's good. See, we're made in his image and in his likeness. We are not him. So we have that choice to allow doubt to send us on the path of spiritual growth or to turn and walk away from the faith. It's our choice. So who doubts? So have you ever been in a room with people? Are you in a room with people? Okay, look around. Everybody doubts. I doubt, Pastor Justice doubts, the elders doubt. If you are a human being breathing on this side of the dirt, you doubt. And God knows it. God knows it. So, you know, I often find it interesting We all get wrapped up in our own little situations and we look outside at other people who are walking the faith and we see them as giants in the faith and they've got it all together. And then you sit down and have a cup of coffee and find out they're just as messed up as you are. But you didn't find that out until you had a conversation with them, right? See, Satan, especially now, we are all so separated out so many different ways that it is hard to get back connected again. And that's where Satan likes it because we're all on our island by ourselves. Pastor Justice preached the other last Sunday. Two stand together are victorious. One stands alone will fall. So... Just to kind of get the point across that we are not alone in our doubting, we're going to look at some biblical greats. The first one I want to mention is found in Matthew 11. Matthew 11 is John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the wilderness preacher, what I like to call the opening act for Jesus Christ when he is in prison facing the guillotine or whatever they cut his head off with, they didn't have the guillotine back then, sword, whatever, he sends his followers and says, ask Jesus, is he really the one? Are you who you say you are? and his followers go, and they come back, the blind see, the sick are healed, the lame can walk, to give reassurance to John that Jesus is who he says he is. So Jesus gave reassurance to John the Baptist. In First Kings 19, Elijah, now in 18, he took on the prophets of Baal, called fire down from heaven, and then killed 450 prophets of Baal. And then Jezebel speaks and says, may you be dead, Or me be dead, basically. I want his head. And he gets scared and runs away. He just killed 450 men. And a woman speaks, and it scares him to death. And he runs. It, It baffles me. He believed God to bring fire from heaven... And he killed 450 men, but he doesn't believe that God can take care of him. Wrap your brain around that one. But you know what God does? God finds him in the desert, and he compassionately takes care of him and strengthens him. He never scolds him. He thumps him and says, hey, wake up and eat. Wake up and drink. And he does that several times. He compassionately cares for and strengthens Elijah the doubter. So he's reassured John the Baptist, the doubter, And he strengthens and compassionately cares for Elijah the doubter. And then one of my favorites in Judges chapter 6. We find Gideon. Now in my mind's eye, I like to think that Gideon is kind of like the before Captain America. The wimpy guy. You know, the one that couldn't get into the army because he was so skinny and so frail, you know? So basically, God's going to turn Gideon into Captain Israelite, okay? Because Gideon was the least of the least, and he was actually from the clan of the least of the least. So this is so good to read out of the NIV that we're going to... I'm going to read it out of the NIV. I got it typed here. I'm going to read this version. This is the NIV version, and it it, is just so funny. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Aborite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. So he was hiding. You do not thresh wheat in a winepress. That's just not what it's there for. But because the Midianites would come and steal it and kill him and take it away, he's hiding. Okay, so he's fearful. He's hiding. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And then Gideon's response is, pardon me? It's kind of like, you talking to me? but the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? You asked that question lately? If the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened? Where is he? He wonders that our ancestors told us about. So where are these great wonders that I've heard about in church? Where are all these great things that I, I was taught in Sunday school? That's basically why he's saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? All these great things. But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us over to the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in strength. You, ha- you have and grow in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian hand. Am I not sending you? And then in verse 15, Gideon's response is, Pardon me? Excuse me? But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Does that sound like he's saying, You have got to be kidding me? And the Lord answered, I will be with you and will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And Gideon replied. Now Gideon doesn't, Gideon's got to test the waters a little bit. And that's a totally different story. But he says, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And guess what the Lord did? He said, I will wait until you return. See, the Lord strengthened and renewed Gideon. And if you don't know the rest of that story, then go read it in Judges. Because really and truly he went from not Mr. Israelite to Mr. Israelite by the power of God. Getting the hint that we're not alone in our doubting? Now this is the short list I'm giving giving you today. There's one more. So if I ask you to tell me something about David, I bet everybody in this place could tell me something about David. Probably the first thing would probably be he killed the Goliath, right? Um... He's a man after God's own heart, right? Well, he falls into that long line of doubters. See, we can read in the book of Psalms. That's full of David's pain and questioning when we read in Psalms. When he wrestled in 1 Samuel, he wrestled with his faith after Nabal treated him and his men so badly. And then in Ziklag, when his fam- all the soldiers' families were taken off and his men wanted to stone him. He was not the man of the hour. He had his doubts. And if anybody messed up royally in the scriptures, David did. But what did God do for David? God called him a man after his own heart, and he blessed his lineage. So God reassured John. He compassionately cared for and strengthened Elijah. He gave reassurance and strength to Gideon, and he blessed David immensely. See, God loves doubters. He loves people that say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. So what do we do when we doubt? I've already mentioned it once. The first thing that we have to do is be brave enough to ask the questions. And then stay in your Christian community. It is so tempting and so easy when we doubt, and especially, let me go to this, especially if you're a person that is known for being faithful, is known to be walking with God, it is so difficult to voice your doubts to other believers. So what do we do? We start pulling back. We start isolating. And we start thinking of excuses why we don't need to go to church. Because if we don't go to church, then nobody knows we're doubting. So so nobody knows. But if we keep doing that, We're not going to get strengthened by our brothers and sisters in the faith if we don't ask the questions, if we don't voice the questions. And like I've already mentioned, where two stand, there is victory. Where one stands, there is defeat. There is that old saying that says, there's safety in numbers. So we need to stay in our church community. And I know it's kind of difficult today to have those small groups and, and all that, but you can Zoom. Been there, done that. Kind of fun. Not really by this time. It was the first two weeks. But really, you can get to know people through Zoom. You can text somebody. You know what is the most precious thing to receive? A text that says, I'm praying for you today. How would that make you feel? Get with a trustworthy believer. Find a trustworthy believer. Pray that God send you a trustworthy believer that you can share your doubts with, that will pray with you that God strengthen your faith when you doubt. It's okay to look for edifying resources. God gave Christian men and women a a desire to provide help for people through literature. There's two books that I am very familiar with. James Dobson, (laughs) When God Does Not Make Sense. And one I recently found by Dominic Dunn, When Faith Fails... Finding God in the shadow of doubt. Pretty powerful. That's okay. That's good. But don't solely rely on what others have said. Go to the word. Get into the word. Get away. Cut the TV off. Cut the cell phone off. Get into the Word. I know a lot of times we read on our cell phones. I'm so ADD that I'll read. and then, Oh, Candy Crush. That's distraction. Get into the Word. See, part of our problem is that we are biblically illiterate. We don't know the power that the Bible has. We don't operate in that power. You know, Gandhi could not understand why Christianity was not stronger than what it was because he had read the Bible and knew that there was power in the Bible. He said, I know you're Christ, but I sure don't know Christians. That was Gandhi. When someone outside of the faith sees the power in the faith and we're not walking in it, that should hurt. So when we doubt, be brave enough to ask the questions. Stay connected with your Christian community. Find God-filled, kingdom-edifying resources and, last but not the least, get into your word. See, God wants to reassure. God wants to compassionately care for and strengthen the doubter. So if you are a doubter, if you believe, all things are possible. See, we have the same choice that that father had when he brought his son to Christ. If you believe, all things are possible. Understand, you are not alone. And God loves the doubter. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you now Asking, Lord, that you, in our doubt, draw us to you. And, Lord, I know that through that, you want to show us your power and strengthen us. Lord, I pray that we are able to ask those hard questions. To be transparent with our fellow brothers and sisters that they help strengthen us in our walk with you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would please reassure us, compassionately care for us, Lord. Lord, show us you are who you say you are. As we go through these next uncertain days, that we stand in your word. Lord, that we hear your word. For hearing the word strengthen us. Lord, I pray that you would bless the congregation today as they go out with their families to their homes. Lord, I pray that you speak to each one. Reassure. Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity of sharing your word today. Lord, I pray your blessings on everyone here and those that are watching. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thank you.